Every Shabbos has a connection not only to the days preceding the Shabbos, which is obvious because it's the Yom Ashvi, the seventh day, which means it's connected to the earlier six days, but as the Zoyer says, it's also connected to the days of the coming week, and that from the day of Shabbos are blessed the following six days of the week. So the connection between this Shabbos and the, the Shabbos and the week following, which is the week that contains Purim, is obvious. We read the Amalek, we read the story of Amalek, which is connected to Purim, because Purim is the day that we follow through on the wiping out of Amalek. Haman was from Amalek. And the Shabbos before is that we first commemorate, we remember the story of Amalek, and then proceed to do the mitzvahs of Purim in in a sense, a wiping out Amalek. This is true for any Shabbos before Purim, but this year, the fact that the Shabbos comes out on Yud Aleph, on the 11th of Adar, shows an even greater connection to Purim, because the Mishnah says that the Megillah can be read starting from Yud Aleph, the 11th, the 12th, the 13th, the 14th, and the 15th. So today, that sh- the Shabbos begins already the, the intent, the, the an even more integral connection the Purim, that you can already start reading the Megillah from the 11th in certain years. And even though it's true that B'dyevet, you can even read the Megillah any time during the month. Kol ha-chaydish kashulakriza Megillah B'dyevet. As the Ramos says, that if somebody, let's say, is uh, somebody needs to, is taking a trip or whatever, and that that's the minute that we could start reading any time, if somebody is in a bind and he wouldn't be able to read it on Purim itself, they read it any time from the beginning of the month, there is still a greater connection between the days that the Mishnah lists, Yudalaf, Yudbeis, Yudgimel, um, even though they're not the primary time of reading the Megillah, the primary time is, of course, Yudalid for Purim in regular cities and Tezvav in the uh, walled cities, but there's a greater connection between 11, 12, and 13 than the rest of the month to the reading of the Megillah, as will be explained. The Mishnah explains that the primary time for reading the Megillah is the 14th and the 15th, as we said. That's what's written in the Megillah. But the Mishnah says that for those people that live in the, in the villages where they didn't have a shul and they couldn't read the Megillah there, or they didn't have a person to read the Megillah, so they had to go to the big city on the day of the market when they went anyway to the big city, and then they would read the Megillah on the day of the market. So it's possible if Purim comes out on uh, Tuesday then they will read it the day before Purim on Monday, Monday and Thursday were the market days if it's on Wednesday so they could read it on uh, Monday which is two days before that means you'd base and if it's co- and Purim comes out on Sunday then they would read it on Thursday which is Yudalaf so the question could be asked since the primary days for reading the Megillah are on 14 and 15 why does the Mishnah begin, the Megillah is read on the 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th, and 15th? It should, would seem that he should start with the Megillah should be read on the 14th or the 15th, depending where you live. There is also a possibility for those people that are not able to go to shul on the 14th or the 15th, so the Chacham made an allowance for them to be able to read on the 11th, 12th, or 13th. But you don't begin with the secondary days which are 11, 12, and 13 and then get to the primary days which are 14 and 15. 15. Also the wording the Megillah is read is not the normal usage of, uh, of saying such a, a Mishnah talking. It should have said 
the Megillah should be read on these days. You read the Megillah on these days, not the Megillah is read. So we have to understand that too. And perhaps we could explain it this way, that the mission is trying to point out that when we say that you can read it on the 11th, 12th, and 13th, don't see it as, a, as something which is really disconnected to the Megillah itself. The Megillah is supposed to be read on the 14th and the 15th. But since there is a person who will not be able to hear the Megillah on the 14th and the 15th, so for his sake, he can start reading it on the 11th, 12th, and 13th. But the days themselves don't really lend themselves to the reading of the Megillah. So the Mishnah says, no, the Megillah is read on the 14th, 11th, 12th, and 13th. It starts with the 11th, 12th, and 13th to tell us that that is also days in which are connected integrally to the reading of the Megillah for those people that need to have it. And that's why the, the uh, Mishnah says, Megillah Nikras, not you could read the Megillah on the 11th, because that would make it, you are permitted to read the Megillah on the 11th, but the 11th is not really the day to do it. The Mishnah says, no, Megillah Nikras, the Megillah could be read on the 11th, 12th, and 13th. It is an appropriate day for reading of the Megillah. And that's what the, the Gemara says, that the Mishnah learns it, we learn it from the fact that the, the Anshik Nesach Dela said to, to do the mitzvahs of Purim Bismaneim during their times. What do you mean their times? There's only one day, the, either the 14th or the 15th. What are the times? To tell us that there are a number of different times that the, they allowed for the reading of the Megillah, they include them all together. The, the 14th and the 15th are to be included together with 11th, 12th, and 13th. They are all the proper time for reading the Megillah. What is the difference if we look at it as the day in which is it proper to read the Megillah or it's just the person that is, uh, can read it on that day? There is a difference even in Allah. If a person, let's say, has a conflicting two mitzvahs which have to be done on a certain day, like let's say he has a, a, a bris on that day, the question would be, what should come first? Do you do the mitzvah, the, the bris first, or do you do, do you do the megillah first? So if it's a day which the day itself calls for the reading of the megillah, just like the day itself calls for the bris, so then there would be a question, should you read the megillah first, or, do you, or should you read the, or do the bris first? But let's say you're doing the, the, the bris, and the megillah reading for you is going to be on the 5th, before the 11th, 12th, and 13th. The 5th is not a day for reading the Megillah. It's just that you need to read the Megillah on this day. So then, without question, the bris would take precedence because that is a day, that is a mitzvah that's connected to this day and that would take precedence. So that would be a difference in Allah as well. Why is it that we find such a concept that the, the Megillah doesn't give 11, 12, and 13 as a day of reading the Megillah, but yet it turned into days which are connected to the reading, integrally connected to the reading of the Megillah. The reason is because the whole Megillah and the whole Purim was also established in that way. All the other books of the uh, Tanakh, Hashem said to, uh, you know, gave Moshe the, the Sifrei Chumash. The prophets wrote the other books and so on. But when it came to the Megillah, it was Esther that requested that the Megillah should be written. She put a... She, said to the Chachamim, write me into the history, write my story. 
And there was a debate about it. They didn't just simply accept it, but in the end they did write it. The same with making the Yom Tov of Purim was also requested by Esther, make us a holiday to celebrate this story. And they also debated it, but they did accept it. Of course, once they accepted it, it became a book, a sefer, no different than any of the other svarim in the Tanakh. In fact, the Megillah has a certain quality which transcends all the other svarim in, in Nevi'im Aksuvim. Because as the Rambam says, that when Mashiach comes, all the other books of the Nevi'im Aksuvim will not be uh, read, or they will, they will sort of be, uh, fall to the side, where, except for Megillah, or as the Ravid says, that all the other Svarim will not be read in public, but the Megillah will still be read in public. So we see that the Megillah, even though it started by the request of Esther, it wasn't essentially, integrally part of the Chavtal Svarim, but then it became. So, it's similar to the 11, that's why the 11, 12th, and 13th, even though essentially they're not part of the days that you're supposed to read the Megillah, but then they were accepted into that category that they are part of the days that you read the Megillah. This is also expressed in the fact that the way the Megillah is written, it was written without Hashem's name, not even mentioned once in the Megillah, which on the surface seems like the Megillah doesn't rise to the level of being able to contain Hashem's name in it. Or as the, uh, as the explanation is given, why didn't they put Hashem's name in it on the, on the simple understanding is because the Persians also put the story into their books of history and because they were idol worshippers they would have transferred the name of Hashem to the name of their idol Lahavdal and therefore the, uh, they decided Mordechai decided better to protect Hashem's honor by not having his name um, changed out for the name of an idol and they left out Hashem's name but if we understand it from the inner dimension we know that Hashem's name expresses a certain the way Hashem expresses himself in a certain way like the name Kael is the way when Hashem expresses himself in kindness the name Elohim is when he expresses himself in might and power and so on so each name expresses a certain expression of Hashem but the essence of Hashem cannot be contained in a name that transcends the name altogether not even the name Avaya which transcends all the other names still represents Hashem in his transcendent state which is also a somewhat of a limitation because transcendent means he can't be incorporated into the world so therefore Anoichi, I, meaning a name which transcends uh, 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 a reference which transcends any name talks about the essence of Hashem the Megillah also expresses that same essence it is a <clears throat> what it comes through the Megillah is Hashem as he is transcendent, unable to be captured by any name. It talks about the essence of Hashem, and that's why the Gemara says, where do we know, where do we see a reference to, to Esther in the Torah? It says, I will conceal myself. Esther, Aster. But it comes from Anoichi. It's because of Anoichi, because we're talking about the, a reference to the essence of Hashem, that's why his name is concealed from the Megillah. And this will explain why the Mishnah begins with Yud Aleph rather than from Yud Aleph and Tezvav. We know that the uh, Mishnah says three different times of when the Megillah can be read. It's either the uh, walled cities are read on the 15th, the, small, the regular cities read on 
the 14th, and the villages, they can read either on the 11th, 12th, and 13th, depending on when Purim comes out. What, are, what is the spiritual meaning of these three categories, walled cities, regular cities, and villages? In brief, the Rebbe says, a walled city means a person whose Aveda is protected from foreign influences. It's uh, protected in a wall, it's a solid Aveda which is uh, deeply rooted in the, in the dedication to Hashem, un not exposed to any foreign influences. Then there is a, a city, which is an inhabited city. It's not a place where you have to start from scratch. You have to dig, you have to plow the field in order to plant. Everything is there, it's ready. All you have to do is turn the city into a godly place. You have to introduce spirituality into that city. Then there is villages. Villages means you have to counter the influences of the world by first breaking down the hard ground, meaning the hester, the the concealment of Hashem, you have to start from scratch, only then can you get to turning it into something of meaning and another way that you can look at it is the world the, uh, the walled cities are connected to the world of Bria, where the service of Hashem is done, by the angels at least, is done with intellect they're deeply connected to Hashem because they understand and appreciate godliness, then there is the, uh, the regular cities are connected to Yitzira where there is a lower level of angels which are connected to Hashem through their passion, through their feeling, through their emotional connection to Hashem, still connected to Hashem with feeling. Then there is the uh, villages are similar to the world of Asiya where there is a great concealment of Hashem and the dedication to Hashem is not based on our understanding or even of our feelings for Hashem but rather our submission to Hashem. We simply accept and commit ourselves to Hashem. And even though by submission that means that it's not really that you appreciate the greatness of Hashem, you're simply submitting to Hashem, but in another sense, the bittel, the submission is even greater when it comes from a place of submission. The bittel is greater when it comes from submission, as is well known. And therefore the Mishnah begins from Yud Aleph, listing the days of Yudalov which relates more to the villagers because just as the Megillah even though it, it, uh, on the surface it seems that it's, there's a concealment but in truth it reaches to a deeper place so also the Aveda of the villages that even though on the surface it seems that it's simple submission but in truth it hides a deeply seated connection and submission to Hashem and the similar thing, the same thing is also understood from the Parsha that we read on the Shabbos, which is Parsha Tetzaveh. And we know that Parsha Tetzaveh is the only etc. from when Moshe Rabbeinu was born until the Dvarim, where his name is not mentioned. And the reason that is given on the surface is because he said, to defend the Jewish people, he said, if you don't forgive them for the sin of the Egil, then erase me from your Sefer, from the Torah, which Hashem took, and he did apply it to one seder, which is Tetzaveh. But that's on the surface. But in the truth is that even though it doesn't mention his name, but the, the name of the Seder is Tetzaveh, which is a direct command to, to Moshe. It's, it describes Moshe's commanding the Yidin, or Va'ata Tetzaveh, you shall command the Jewish people, which means that the whole Seder is called by a reference to Moshe. 
And we know that just as Hashem's names, the fact that Hashem is referred to by not, not by a name, as we said in the Megillah, is because it contains a deeper connection, it's a deeper level of Hashem. So also Moshe Rabbeinu, when we, when we don't mention His name, it's because we're talking about a, an element of Him, a level within Him, which is even deeper than what could be contained by a name. And it's this part of Him, which is what brings the Yidin together with Hashem that attaches and connects. Ba'ata, you, Moshe Rabbeinu, your essence will connect the Yidin to Hashem. In other words, a similar idea to what's happening in the Megillah and what's happening in the, uh, in the villages, it all speaks to the same idea that that which is in concealment addresses a much deeper connection to Hashem. And this is also expressed in the fact that the Mishnah starts with Yud Aleph because the shal- in, in, in uh, telling us how the Megillah should be read. The Shalosh says that the Megillah is read on Yud Aleph, it starts with Yud Aleph, that is the numerical value of Vavke, the, two, the last two letters of Shemavaya. And it concludes with <coughs> Tezvav, the 15th of Adar, which is the numerical value of 15, which is Yudke, the first two letters of Shemavaya. Which explains why the Mishnah begins from Yud Aleph, because the first, the Yud Aleph, which refers to Vavke, is where Amalek tries to attack Shemavaya. As the Pasuk says, Yod al Kais Ka, that Hashem's hand is lifted in, a, in an oath. Hashem over here, uh, the, the, the name of Hashem used here is Yud Kei, not Vav Kei, that Hashem's name cannot be complete until uh, Malik will be erased, is what the Gemara says. So, <clears throat> what, is, what is incomplete? The Vav Kei is for some reason incomplete. The Yudke is complete, it's still there in the Torah. The Vavke is incomplete because the Vavke represents the Aveda of Hashem, not that it comes from intellect, not that comes from emotion. It's the Aveda of Hashem that comes from Maisabapayal, from actually doing Torah mitzvahs without feeling necessary, without un- uh, intellectual understanding. That's where Amalek is trying to attack. He says, I can, uh, I can tolerate that you should understand about Hashem, you should even feel for Hashem, but do it, don't do it. He wants to disconnect our feelings and our intellect from our actual behavior. And that's why it has to begin with completing the Vavke. The Aveda has to, in order to, uh, to neutralize Amalek, has to begin with Vavke. Do what's right. Submit to Hashem. Then it'll come back to Yudke, as the Mishnah also says, it starts with uh, describing it from Yud Aleph, Yud Beis, which represents the Vav cave. Complete that in order to erase Amalek. But then the Mishnah says, when it gets to the details, it says, on the 15th, it starts with the people in the walled cities. On the 14th, it's, it's read by the people in the regular cities. And then it goes to explain Yud Aleph, Yud Beis, Yud Gimel, the 11th, 12th, and 13th. Because once we erase Amalek, then the name of Hashem is complete once again, in its proper order, Yudke and then Vavke, and uh, this will be completely fully realized when, Hashem, when Mashiach comes, that everything will be revealed, Hashem will neutralize Amalek totally, Mashiach will neutralize Amalek, and this will be the Mashiach, the